All right, this is the uh, Gravity Beard Podcast. This is a special edition episode uh, because tonight is game one of the NBA Finals uh, between the Golden State Warriors and, uh, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So because of that, I brought in two guys that know way more about the NBA than I do, uh, my friend Patrick and my friend Scott. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. And so you guys are big NBA fans. Obviously, this is highly anticipated, so you're excited about the game. Uh, I think what I want to start off with uh, first is, is there anything that you want to add that you think is pertinent about the previous matchups with Oklahoma and um, I've already forgotten who, who Cleveland played in the last round. It almost does uh, the Raptors. Toronto. The Raptors. Is, there anything that needs to be said? <laughs> is there anything that needs to be said about that before we move on to the finals? Well, I think before we start talking, is I mean, it's... Like, who are you rooting for? You know, because then you're going to have, like, what biases are we Cavaliers. bringing here? Okay, I'm in the same boat. I'm on, I'm on Team Cavs. I'm just, like, really anti all these, like, San Francisco Bay Area teams from the Sharks to the Warriors. I don't like seeing these tech guys in there pumped up all the time. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, the game, just trying to get one for the land. That's 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 all I'm really pulling for. Yeah, I'm just kind of a LeBron guy through and through. Um, I think he's he's a great player, and because he's lost so many finals already, people discount his greatness. So I think if he can take down the uh, you know 73 and nine greatest regular season team of all time Warriors, okay, that would so, be great for his legacy. So I'm going to follow up on that. So you're not you're not necessarily a, a Cleveland fan. You're no. you're a LeBron fan. I'm a LeBron guy. Yeah, I'm not a, and, and I love uh, Earl Smith Jr., my boy JR. Okay, so so you're from the Charlotte area. You're from Charlotte, <laughs> North Carolina. Yeah. So your team is the Bobcats. So if you're like teams in that category, and I would even put the Mavs in there even though they appear once in a while and, and just kind of show up and they get knocked out. If you if you don't have a team that contends every year, you might pick a player. Like you, like you have an NBA team in your town, so you kind of have to root for them. But you, so you're not going to have another team. Like if you had no NBA team, you could probably you could, you could choose another team. But if you have a team, then you kind of have to pick pick a player. Yeah, well, and LeBron obviously is one of the greatest of all time. Right, I'm I'm a fan of great basketball, but it's kind of counterintuitive because Steph Curry is from Charlotte. So um, a lot of people from Charlotte were rooting for the Warriors, probably. But I'm ready, ready for LeBron to get his. Well, you're you're in the exact same uh, camp as as my friend Travis, who will be at my house tonight. Because of our stake bet, so we'll we'll be we'll be seeing that through tonight. Uh, starting starting tonight. Doesn't okay, Cleveland like give you some hope though. Like you had a team got taken away from you, then it comes back. Well, you it have, gives gives me hope. You have MKG. I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's close to LeBron, but like no, it, it gives me hope that LeBron went home to Cleveland. That Steph Curry will do the same, and then mosey on home to Charlotte, where you guys are where his dad's like the announcer for the Hornets. The you know, come join his family. He's a big Panthers fan. It's oh, never going to happen, but oh, that's, that's what we hold out for. I didn't know that's where Steph Curry was from. Yeah, his dad played for the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. Del Curry. Uh, Del Curry, right. Kind of a legend. Three-point shooter. Um, so, that would be ideal if Steph comes home to us. Is he a legend? <laughs> Del Curry. He's a Hornets legend. <laughs> With a great assault. He's, he's a great three-point shooter. He's, he's, a, he's a legend if you're... If you're from Charlotte. Yeah. God, yeah. You don't have much success. Lo- so. Local legend. Yeah. Like, it's Del Curry and then, like... The dude from the pickup courts. Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, but oh, Muggsy right. Bogues is a legend for other reasons. Right. 
I mean, you're five three in Space Jam. You yeah. know, you've got a lot lot going for you. So, what, so which makes him more of a legend? The fact that he was five three, the fact that he was in Space Jam. I'm going to say Space Jam because that's just timeless. Like people, <laughs> you know, forty years from now are going to be watching Space Jam. Who do you be like? Who are these four guys? I mean, it's like who would have know who Sean Bradley is right now if it wasn't for Space Jam? Who do you think is going to be like, in who's Space this Jam too? Boys, is that the reason that people know who Sean Bradley is, or is it? Because I'm not going to lie. That was the. That's who I. That's how I knew who Sean Bradley was when I first saw well, Sean Bradley. Well, let me let me let me suggest one other reason why people know who Sean Bradley is, and that's why that's because he was seven six and he was incredibly clumsy and he got <laughs> posterized constantly by guys much shorter than him. And yeah. this is maybe the most shocking of the whole thing about Sean Bradley. But believe it or not, I don't know if you knew this, that there was a point where Sean Bradley was the highest paid player on the Mavs roster. Did not know that. And, and back then it wasn't just it, it wasn't a lot compared to today. It was like seven or eight million. But I mean, like he fleeced the Mavericks for millions and millions. Is this predates Dirk and Steve Nash, or was he the highest paid player on a team with Dirk and or Steve Nash? Talk about good GMing. I think there might have been some overlap. <laughs> there might have been some overlap. Wow. Well, I mean, if you think about, if you think about it, Dirk wasn't Dirk early on, right? That's, right. And, and Steve Nash honestly wasn't Steve Nash. Right. Yeah. I Do mean, you think the, they enjoy giving him those checks? Like after just people were just. Posterizing him left and right. You, you and know what? Just... You know what? Boy, what a tangent we're on. I, I, will, I will tell you. I will tell you. I, I think that the Nellies and, and Cuban were totally snowed by Sean Bradley. Like, like they referred to him as, as almost a cornerstone foundational player for the for the organization. It was bizarre. He, was he like Yao Ming before Yao Ming? And they just dis- well, I mean, well, Yao Ming was actually good. Yao Ming was good. Just had no feet. That's I was going to say yeah, yeah, Yao Ming. I mean, aside from the injuries. I mean, it was, he, he's not a Hall of Famer, right? But but he's he might be because it's the Basketball Hall of Fame and not the right. NBA but, but I mean, the point is that he was legit. the guy is still in the yeah. All Star game, like through technical votes. Like, like he was <laughs> he was legit, and Yao Ming, you know, I mean, and Sean Bradley was just a complete punchline, right? So yeah. anyway, yeah. okay, man, we've really gotten off topic. Uh, okay, so so you got, you guys are essentially rooting for the same team in in, in this final series. Yeah, it's okay, got- so, so so that makes it a little less intriguing to sit down and talk to you, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, so 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 let's let's get into it. Let, let's let's talk about the matchup because are, are you both going to tell me that you think Cleveland's going to win because you're rooting for Cleveland or I don't even do you, think they're going to win. I want them. You to don't win. think Cleveland's going to win? No, I do but think I'm they're going to win. I do think they'll win. Well, okay, okay. So so you start. Yeah. So so what? So my, my friend Travis is rooting for rooting for Cleveland and really for LeBron. Um, he, when, when he goes through the matchups, he thinks I think these matchups, especially because last year. You know they 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 almost beat him with with Delvadova and 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 LeBron. So now they've got a full team. Everyone's healthy. They're playing better. They mowed through the, the you know the the playoffs. You know, the playoffs already. So he thinks the matchups actually favor. Uh, so okay, who guards Curry, Kyrie, maybe subpar defender? You know, I I hear I think it's hard to say that because I think in the NBA you don't really have many one-on-one defensive matchups anymore, right? Unless you're... There's a handful of guys that that's their game, but a lot of times it's going to be a, a whole team aspect on Steph, right? They're going to switch every screen. you know. So it's not really he's going to guard him. It's going to be a handful of guys, right? But then, but then yeah. the same is true for Clay Thompson, right? Because you're going to go one off the other off the other. So I think it's hard to say, like, one-on-one matchups... But as like a whole team, could they defend? I don't know. I mean, I mean, Draymond Green and Kevin Love. I don't think that's a favorable matchup for the Cavs no, necessarily. I agree. So, 
I don't know. I think it's going to be is interesting. It, is that is that an age thing? Is it a, is it a talent thing? No, is I think it a it's a level of aggression. I think it's like a versatility thing. I think they're both both talented in their own right. I just don't think Kevin Love's game is to like get up and down like Draymond's going to bring the ball up. He's going to attack from the perimeter. He's going to post him up. And I think Kevin Love's just kind of like a board. And, like, he's good at playing some post-defense, and maybe he's good at some getting some rebounds, but I don't think he's trying to, you know, guard Draymond on the perimeter. He's got limited versatility. Yeah, I think you'd almost rather have – you'd almost kind of want Tristan Thompson to just guard Draymond the whole time and then just say, Kevin Love, take whoever the other off-post guy is, right? Like, if Bogut's going to throw up 30 on us – Congrats! Yeah, right. Like that's that's kind of got to be your mindset. Yeah, well, I think if they play Kevin Love and um, Tristan Thompson, then the Warriors will use their death lineup. So, are are you concerned that either of you? I mean, Golden State has proven that they're capable of playing defense, but they're also kind of a. They're, um, they're, I mean, they're a team of runs. I mean, they'll, they'll get way behind and then they'll play catch up. And they, and they could do that. They've proven they could do it, so it's not really a panic situation. You know, in, in the second half of, of the Game 7, they were down by 13, came back. Then they were down by 11 and came back and then ultimately won the game. So they could do that, but, but they heavily, heavily rely on their jump shooting. So is, is that a situation where if, if Cleveland kind of plays steady Eddie, can they kind of hold them off? Can they – how's that going to affect the outcome of the individual games of the series? I think that – it's going to be kind of unfair for me to say this, but I think this is true. I think that against a team like the Thunder, where there's still a lot of questions between, you know, who's the guy in crunch time, who's really taking the, who's going to be the guy that's taking that last shot, you know, who's going to be the guy that's really facilitating everything. It's a little bit harder because you can get a team like that worked up to where you have a couple superstars that'll just go, all right, it's my time. I'm just going to – we just started to start scoring. And I think that's where the difference with someone like LeBron comes in, where he'll be so in control, I think, at that point, that if they are steady coasting, he'll hold off for shots. You know, they'll call good timeouts. You know, I think it'll be a lot harder for them. And then, granted, I mean, if they start shooting, you know, 30-foot jump shots, there's nothing you can do. That's right? what they do. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. But that's what I'm saying is, is like, like Golden State got away with it last year, especially in the finals, because you had you had Cleveland at one third of their talent, right? But so they, they got away with, with with just using jump shooting and going on streaks and stuff. Can they can they do that? Can they do that this year? I think that's what they do. I think and they can do I think, that every time. Yeah, you know, it's it's an anomaly and it hasn't seemed to work in years past. But they won the championship with the last year. And I think they're well on their way to doing it again this year. It doesn't make any but, sense. But, I mean, but if, if if you look at the teams that they played to win a championship last year compared to this year, completely different, in, in just in talent level. Like their opponent, their combined opponents this year were far more formidable, formidable than they were before. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, to me, the the interesting thing that people really aren't talking about is I'm going to be really interested in the fatigue factor. I mean, this Cleveland team hasn't played anybody. They are really well rested and are going to be able to run very well. And they played far fewer games. Yeah, and 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 they've had how long now from the Toronto series? I mean, close to maybe close to a week. Yeah. So, so All, the conversation and, is rest, rest, rest versus yeah. If versus you're the rest. Warriors, you've played a bunch of tough games to get there. You're just coming off of a very emotional, very hard fought, very tiring. 
uh, uh, came against the Thunder. I just think that if you're, I mean, I I would not be that surprised if Cleveland splits it in 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 San Francisco. I just wouldn't be just from a factor of we just you just got tired. You know, your legs kind of started giving out a little bit. The jump shots go a little bit shorter. I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised if that happened in this game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's anything for you just got through the tough series and you're kind of in the zone and you're used to being two, three days off versus having a full week off and kind of being out of, out of I guess you're never really out of touch with, with the okay, game so, or series. Okay, so you're saying that rust might be an issue. Because that's always the debate when one team has a big layoff and the other team just played a long series. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I just think... You know, maybe maybe they come out a little flat game one. It's been ten days, nine days, or whatever since they played a game, and more of the Warriors are just kind of into it and Dialed they're in. in the zone. Yeah, they ju- they just did this twenty or forty eight hours ago or whatever. So, Scott, to your point, let me make this suggestion. Um, you, you know, the Golden State hasn't necessarily faced any uh, adversity in, until this past series, where where they really looked vulnerable. They looked beatable, right, for for almost the first time. Um, you know, could it almost be helpful to them to have faced that adversity going into the final series, where they, they were up against it? They had to prove that they could overcome that, and 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 they, they had to prove something they didn't prove in the regular season because they won seventy three games. They faced almost no adversity. Now you did have a, a step injury earlier in the playoffs, but that seems very much in the distant past. What what about finally facing some adversity that helps them moving forward, kind of mentally and emotionally, and chemistry wise, just kind of bonding as a team? Yeah, I think that. I think that team was probably pretty well bonded to begin with. I think they've got a pretty good culture out there that everyone has seemed to buy into. You know, I think Steve Kerr probably did that more than anybody, you know, just kind of developing the seal. I don't know if there's an ad- adversity, because, I mean, these guys are professionals. This is what they do. I mean, they're, they've all been playing basketball since they, you know, could walk, more or less. I think that the, the adversity question, I think, is a little. It, it's not fair to an extent. I think that it's, it's something that all these players have gone through some type of adversity. They've all had to have pressure put on them. They've all understood what it means to win and what you have to do to win. And I think to win seventy three games, you know what you got to do to win. Like you've been in a situation where you're tired and you're you're trying to. You got to win some games. You know that's that's a mentality. I think the adversity question. I, I don't. I don't think it probably does all that much. I think it's a fun talking point, but I don't think it does much for them. I don't know. What I mean, well, I think they just face some adversity. Being down three one, being like you know the greatest regular season team of all time, and then potentially losing in the Western Conference Finals, and having to listen about that and hear people talk about that for the past couple of days, and then they won three in a row, two on the road close them out in Game 7. Down both Game 6 and 7. I think they're battle-tested. And well, and, and they had to they had to experience the, the emotions of getting blown out. Yeah. I mean, a team that went 73 games and, and was, is the defending champion and dominated a little bit in the certainly in the regular season and kind of in the postseason then all of a sudden they get to the conference finals and they get, they get splattered. They get destroyed. I, I wonder if there's a feeling yeah. though, difference between for them Getting if they get blown out by Cleveland in a game, you know where I really expect like LeBron to come out and be like everyone must be 
smoking something to think that Steph is even close to as good as I am. Like I could have been, but that's a I could have been the guy. Like I could have won MVP last year. That's a little bit unfair because they're totally different style of players, right? Like one guy's six two and is a shooter from the farthest range we've ever seen in basketball history, and the other one is just you can't even relate to him physically because he's giant and he's still super athletic and. It's 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 kind of an apples to oranges comparison. Do you yeah. compare like I, I don't I don't like the question who's 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 the best player in the NBA Steph Curry or LeBron James? But they hear that. Well, they do, but I think they hear that yeah. and that they're egomaniacs. That plays into who they are. But that's silly, right? That's a weird comparison. They are tough to compare, right? I, I don't even know if I could choose between. I think I'd rather have LeBron, I guess, but. But it's difficult to compare because they're so different. That's, that's my thing, right? Like, you're even questioning that. Like, I think if you're LeBron James, you're like, I, if I want to score 50 points a game, I'll score 50 points a game. There's nothing that anybody but in so this world could do. Yeah, and that's my point. Like, I think yeah. if you're LeBron, you're probably sitting there tired of hearing these people just... Well, and, well, like, I took this team last year to six games with the New York Knicks, who had the third pick in the draft. Like, why are people right. forgetting about that? Yeah. Well, and, and, and LeBron's had greatness for years upon years. Steph has come onto the scene like three years ago, right? So LeBron kind of feels like, hey, I've kind of proven it. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like if, if, if Tiger Woods was still playing well, and then here comes Jordan Spieth, and he has a great one, one season, and, and they say, Jordan Spieth's got to be better than Tiger Woods. You're like, yeah. he's done it one season. He's yeah. had one good round, one year I, of golf. I think that's a great analogy to it. I think, that's a, I think it's really... Fair. I just think it's amazing that people are just like so down on this Cleveland team as underdogs. It's like it's baffling to think that a LeBron James team is an underdog going into a series. So, so uh, Patrick, let me ask you this question, and Scott, you can answer as well. Look, can can we say look at the math? Look, look look at the combined the combined records of the Eastern Conference opponents, both in the regular season and the postseason, and the West. And are we going to look? Is Cleveland going to start to look pretty mortal because they haven't they haven't had to play as hard of opponents? Um. Well, that's definitely true. I don't think that devalues them as a team. That makes sense. I don't. Again, I don't think we should discount them because their competition hasn't been great. It's not their fault. Um. But I mean, it's definitely true. The Warriors have had a tougher path. Even like the Thunder would have had a tougher path. Pretty much anyone in the West would have had a tougher path. I think the Raptors were pretty good, but, I mean, they're not really a title. Well, Oklahoma, if they'd have made it to the finals and won, would have had almost the hardest path ever. Ever, yeah, with the Spurs with their 65 wins. Well, they they would have had to have beaten the three previous defending champions the last three years to win a championship. Like, all three of their opponents would have been, except for the Mavs in round one, would have been defending NBA champions in a row. Yeah. So so clearly it's their harder opponents. How big, but, but how big of a difference? How how much of that is a, is an indication of how this is going to turn out? Um, I don't think it's really much of an indication, just because you're looking at these two teams in a vacuum now, um, just seven games against each other. I just don't think much of the previous season matters. What what what's happened and what has already happened? I feel like it's kind of a new season. I think the best thing to do is look at when they played each other last year in the finals. Because that's, but that, but that's not a good comparison because Cleveland was missing almost everybody. But they, I think, and that's that's to my point. I think when it's sad, it's it's sad to say this, but I think in the NBA, like the regular season really doesn't mean anything. Like these guys are playing eighty-two games; they don't really care about playing eighty-two games. You kind of know the teams that are going to be there at the end, anyways. Like mm-hmm. everyone knew 
Cavs were going to be there. The Warriors were going to be there. The Spurs would probably be there. Yep. The Thunder would probably be there. And guess what happened? All that happened. You know, like, we get, the regular season doesn't really matter. And so these guys don't really play to their full potential, I think, every game <laughs> during the regular season. So I think it's really tough to say, you know, to look at, like, comparisons of, oh, this, this is how they play in the regular season. They weren't that good defensively. I mean, these guys show up, I think, at this point. And that's why you look, I think, at, at playoff times. Like, Kyrie last year played, I was listening, Kyrie last year played unreal defense on Steph for that first game. Because he's a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys are freak athletes that when push comes to shove and they need to put it on because they've got to win a ring, will put it on. Like, okay, so. That's just what they do. So, um, comparing the, the different teams' opponents doesn't seem to matter. The rust versus, versus longer series doesn't seem to matter. So, what does matter? What, what is going to determine who wins and who doesn't? So I think because so up to this point we've just counted almost everything. What's <laughs> yeah, going to influence the outcome? Fair. Of the <laughs> so I think something that's going to be interesting to watch for me is last year when they didn't have Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving, the Cavaliers kind of just slowed the game down. LeBron would have the ball for like you know all twenty four seconds. They try to keep it under a hundred points and just play this like rough, tough, grinded out game. Where now they're shooting just as many threes as the Warriors are. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can play with. And or beat the Warriors at their own game because they're going to try to get out and run and hit a bunch of threes and you know yeah. there's no one better than I think the history of the NBA statistically speaking than the Warriors at doing that so I think it'll be a fun kind of clash of the titans A yeah. and then mix of styles B I, I think it comes down to really a chess match between Ty Lue and <laughs> Steve Kerr right like the the slight changes that they're going to make in this game like is Andre Iguodala going to start now like didn't start at all. Now is he going to start? Like, are the Cavs just going to go really small? And then, like, is Channing Fry going to be the starting five? Like, like small kind of changes. Because I think on paper these teams are pretty close to each other. Like, you can make arguments of why one team is better than the other one, but they're so close. So you're saying the talent? Think, the talent is. I think the talent is even. pretty close. Like, I think the Warriors are much deeper than the Cavs, but I think the Cavs are. I mean, when you've got LeBron James and Ky- I mean, you've got three guys that can put up thirty easily, just about on anybody. Not even within a system, just on their own. I think that's that's a huge thing, and I think this also comes down to Clay Thompson. I don't even think it even matters between Steph and LeBron. I think if Clay Thompson plays like a top ten player, which he might be, they're gonna win. Like that's that's what I think it is. Like you can. You can have all this stuff match up, but if Clay Thompson is guarded is being guarded by J.R. Smith, and Clay Thompson's like, I'm going to go for 40 every game. Okay. The Cavs can't do anything. Okay, so so I'm going to touch on two things, and then we we may be out of time. Uh, the first thing is that that both of you touched on. That I'm going to go back to one is styles. Um, what what style? What's I mean? Obviously, we all know what style that, that Golden State typically plays. Okay, I'm not as familiar with with uh, Cleveland. I know they've, they've shot a ton of threes, like you pointed out earlier in previous games. So, is that their style? Are they a run and gun, fast paced team with all of their talent available, or are, are they going to play two different styles and one's going to dictate? One's going to they're going to try to dictate each other's style. So actually, I don't know. I think they're going to try to to do the kind of run and gun. Both teams are going to try. So, to do yeah, that. I mean the Warriors 100 percent are going to do that. That's their game for sure. They're but, awesome but, but, at but is Cleveland going to do that because that's who they are? I think they're going to try to keep up. With so I State, think or? they're going to try that. And then if they get blown out or they lose, then you might see what Scott was talking about and 
see Ty Lue get to the clipboard and maybe you slow it down, maybe you run LeBron at point and you just okay. get very radical and have a, have a difference of styles. So, so I just heard you say kind of a, something kind of subtle that, that's interesting. Golden State knows who they are. Cleveland's going to try something. If it doesn't work, they need to try something else. Like that, That's a, actually a big difference, isn't it? Golden State knows exactly what they're going to do. They've done it. That's who they are. You're saying Cleveland's not exactly sure what's going to work. They have to try one and then try the other. That's interesting, right? I think right? that's hard to say. I think that's hard to, to do when you've got a guy like, to put that on somebody, when you've got a guy like LeBron James who legitimately could play four positions at the NBA For and sure. be the best you could make an argument the best player at four positions. The amount that you could probably do with that team is like a coach's paradise, right? Like you wouldn't want to be necessarily stuck in so, the way. So, but so what Patrick is saying is that Cleveland can is is competent at both both styles and both paces. Are you saying that as an identity they're one or the other? No, I don't think that you're one or the other. I think that when you've got a guy like LeBron, you're saying they could you can. You have the luxury of not having to have a style. So, you, like, so you you're can, saying it, it's not a, it's not a, a uh, an issue. It's actually an advantage. I think it can be an advantage because you can play a bunch. Of, you can slow it down easily. You can speed it up if you want to. You can play a mix because he's so smart with the basketball that he could do either one. Where I mean, the Warriors are one way and one way only, and it's can you can you deal with that? For sure, and nobody else. Nobody has. Okay, to quick quick answer to this next question. We've touched on it this entire conversation. I just want to just a real quick answer again. Who who had who truly has? I, you've, I think you've even said it sounds even, but who really has the matchup advantage? If you had to if you had to just pick that pick, who's got the talent and matchup advantage? Oh man, um, I'm going to go. Do with, coaches count. I'm going to go. We'll with get Go to that. One Golden second. State having the matchup advantage, even though LeBron is the ultimate matchup advantage for sure. But at, besides at, at that, any position, like yeah, Scott said right. But besides that, I think overall, Golden State has the Golden State has the matchup, matchup advantage and talent, and, and talent advantage. Because it's kind of maybe there's a slight difference uh, between those two things, but I'm saying talent matchup advantage. Maybe it's, maybe those two things it's are different. Tough. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's go with the talent advantage too. Okay, so you think they've got? It's, I think it's, it's slight. Very close. It's slight. Yeah. So you're saying they have a slight talent and matchup advantage. Okay, Scott, your opinion on that? Same question. I think that the Cavs have the best player playing. But I think if you took an aggregate uh, talent, you probably put in the Warriors' favorite favor. I think if you okay so matchup wise, I think the Warriors have a better matchup too for so for so the for the two reasons of Clay Thompson and then if Sean Livingston can figure it out he's a six seven point guard. Like how many guys can actually defend that? Like how do you defend them? Like we talk about them going so small, they get really big, really fast. Like if you just put in. Livingston, Thompson, Green, Azil. Like that team is the smallest guy out there, six six. Yeah, and that's Draymond. <laughs> right? Like it's it's ridiculous. Like nobody ever talks about that. Like if they want to play big, they can play so big. So except for Steph Curry that you you're saying they've got a size advantage. They yeah. For sure. Easily. Like they they can run faster than anybody else. Okay. They can get bigger than everybody else. People don't talk about that because Sean Livingston hasn't played well lately, but like like yeah. last year, that's what he did. Del- he destroyed Delvadova. He just went to the post on him and then went yeah. over him because Delvadova is like five ten on a good day. Uh, okay, um, so here, here's the last thing because we're we're kind of getting down to it. Uh, last question is: Let's talk about coaches and coaching advantage. So on one hand, you got Tyron Lue, who became the coach in the middle of the season, right? He hasn't even coached a full season. Uh, but on the other hand, it's not like Steve Kerr has been a head coach for ten years. 
Although he did coach his team in his first season as a coach to an NBA championship, but but so you, but you still have two coaches that are relatively new as head coaches. I think I, I mean I have my own opinion. Who has the coaching advantage? What is your opinion? I want to hear your opinion on coaches. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I admittedly I know almost nothing about Tyron Lewis at all, uh, other than he seems to the players in the organization seem to like other him than better. He got stepped over by Allen Iverson. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about Tyron Lue or his history or anything at all. I, I just know that you know, they clearly didn't like their previous coach, David Blatt, you know, or LeBron didn't. He just, right. he made, yeah. he just embarrassed the guy at multiple fronts, and so he was he's put, coaching pushed, in Turkey now. Yeah, so he's he's not even in the country. He's not even inside the borders. Okay, and, but but Steve Kerr, I mean, won mul- several multiple championships as a player, coached his team to a championship last year. I think there's a distinct event. Now, what I can't tell about Steve Kerr is is he a good tactician? Is he a good strategist? Can he make adjustments? I think there was some concerns that he demonstrated in the previous series that he's not necessarily good at doing that. So, but I still think that he's got to be a much better coach than Tyron Lue. That's that's my opinion, Patrick. Oh man, I think it's tough. Uh, I think for whatever it's worth, the Cavs have been a lot better with Tyron Lue. I don't know if he gives them more confidence than David Blatt. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Steve Kerr's obviously done it. He's won. I don't know how many he's won. He's, did he win as a player? Three, four, five, six. And he's Se- won several. One, like, four, several. Five, then he's won one as a coach. With multiple teams. He's also. got a bit of swagger. You know, they've won 73 wins. I think he, he provides a lot of confidence for his yeah. guys. But, but, but co- coaching specifically, you think he's the better coach. So you're saying Golden State's got the coaching advantage. Yeah. Is, is he a better tactician? Is he a better strategist? Is he better at making changes? Oh, man. I'm not. I don't even really know. I, I can't. Maybe the series will prove it. Yes, I think, I think we'll see this, this series. This is a good test. Because you've got two coaches that have all of their weapons, right? No excuses. So so if they lose, obviously execution is big. But, it, it, I mean, we're going to be able to isolate the coaches and determine who's the better coach. I think that's more possible here because you can't say, hey, you're, you're missing all your talent. You know, that's why you lost. Yeah, Scott, yeah, your answer. I, I kind of think win or lose. I, I'm going to make a bold take here. I think Steve Kerr is and will go down as one of the best coaches in NBA history. I think he gets the game ever since LeBron Jordan, ever since Michael Jordan made him cry in that practice. Uh, I think that he just has seen what it takes to win and he's seen so many different personalities and like he's like a Manchurian candidate for a coach, I think. Like you were able to coach under Popovich who is unbelievable. You got to play under Phil Jackson. You have to play with Michael Jordan. You know, like you have been surrounded by literally the greatest of the past maybe twenty years, right? So you know what it takes to win. You know how personalities work. I think he's an unbelievable coach, and I think that I mean it's not fair to say that of Tyron Lue because I mean I don't. He hasn't had that same deal. I mean, played under Larry Brown. <laughs> uh, this is the Gravity the Iverson Triangle. This is the Gravity Beer Podcast. <laughs> this is our our special edition NBA Finals uh, pregame show. Uh, Patrick Scott, uh, thank you very much for being here. I thought this was a fun dis- discussion. I thought we covered a lot of good points. Um, if you guys are willing and able, uh, let's do this again. Yeah, let's let's talk more about Sean Bradley getting post rise next time. And <laughs> I can't I cannot believe on. I can't believe that we spent two or three or four minutes at the beginning of the NBA Finals po- podcast 
talking about Sean Bradley. Of all of the hundreds of NBA players, that's where we started this podcast off with. We could start about, yeah, just talk about getting embarrassed left and right, broken ankles. That is, that's that'd my favorite. That would be a fun podcast. That is my favorite thing about doing, about doing a podcast <laughs> is it could go anywhere. Uh, guys, thanks for being here. Um, if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's do this again. This thing yeah. could go seven games. I think we all expect it to go six or seven, yep. right? We'll be uh, shocked if it doesn't. I'm excited for Draymond's inevitable suspension. That will be 100% too many happen. technicals or too many 100%. flagrants. 100%. So that's going to spice up the series. Looking forward to that. And, and I, I will point out, we might see Scott again. Scott is uh, also one of my political analysts that I'm going to bring in possibly later. You do a lot of things. or a lot of hats. Oh, man, you're, 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 you're such a five-tool player. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay. PR uh, is pretty high right now. That's it. We'll we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks.